0: Make Black Talk Radio your choice for digital black radio. New black media for the new millennium.
1: Southern trees, barren strange the truth of the matter is that we are part of a, a, an ongoing
2: years, hundreds and hundreds of years of struggle against the
1: slaveocracy and the mentality of it. And, and uh, I see it as us as being this uh, uh, a continu-
2: continuation of this uh, nation of people reach. who were uh, kidnapped, who ancestors were kidnapped wrongfully, uh, brought to these shores against their will, Strange and uh, Hang that we would have to come together as one.
1: Malcolm, just oh, are you prepared good? to go into the United Nations at this point and ask that charges be brought against the United States for its treatment of American Negroes? Oh yes. Uh, oh, yes, yes the, as I pointed out when I was in, during my traveling, that nations look, African nations and Asian nations and Latin American nations look very hypocritical when they stand up in the United Nations condemning the racist practices of South Africa and that which is practiced by Portugal and Angola and saying nothing in the UN about the racist practices uh, that are, that are uh, manifest every day against Negroes in this society. The consensus is A. We must take back
3: the streets. It doesn't matter whether or not the person that is accosting your son or daughter or my son or daughter, my wife,
1: your husband, my mother, your parents, it doesn't matter whether or not they were deprived as a youth. It doesn't matter or not whether or not they had no background that enabled them to have, to uh, become a, a social, uh, become socialize into the fabric of society it doesn't matter whether or not they're the victims of society the end result is they're about to knock my mother on the head with a lead pipe shoot my sister beat up my wife take on my sons so i don't want to ask what made them do this they must be taken off the street that's number one
0: well, we have to try to get people to look, recognize and say hey listen that's the show You know, the real power behind this show, the ones who were really manipulating what's going on with this show, this movie that we're watching here called Life, right, is these power interests over here, you see? And so we need to concentrate on how they're manipulating the system. And if we can begin to the people start seeing that, I think it's possible for us to have a border press people's convention where we began to draw up our own national agenda and the manner upon which we can challenge the system in a coherent way that really, really affects uh, the way people live in this country.
1: I mean, that's why when someone asked me about violence, uh, uh, I just stood. Uh, I just find it incredible, because what it means is that the person who's asking that question has absolutely no idea what black people have gone through, what black people have experienced in this country since the time the first black person was kidnapped from the shores of Africa. What we have in common is a common enemy in a common struggle. The common enemy being the racist, sexist, colonialist, imperialist capitalist system of the United States of America. A system that promotes and supports police brutality and murder of people of color, and other oppressed people. A system that promotes property values value over human lives and dignity. A system that promotes the dollar profit over the rights of the people to decent housing, education, and employment. A system that utilizes racism as a tool to keep us divided and fighting amongst ourselves, and as a means of justifying the continued inhuman acts propagated, perpetrated against people of African descent in this country. Our common struggle is against the enemy that perpetuates these evils. Our common struggle against, is against the enemy that utilizes a propaganda war to criminalize our struggles, to demonize us, to make the world believe that our struggles are not just struggles, and to capture combatants The freedom fighters, the captured comrades are not political prisoners, but
4: criminals.
0: Hello, and welcome to this broadcast of New Abolitionist Radio. My name is Scotty Reed, and my co-host on the call tonight is Brother Tag. Tag, if you could unmute yourself, I'm having trouble getting you unmuted. There we there we have you, Tag. What's going on with you, bro? Another episode, mm-hmm. New Abolitionist Radio.
4: Uh, absolutely, Brother Scotty. You know, just pleased to be doing it, and uh, it's wild hearing that video. That's the first I've uh, gone through it just, just off audio. And so it's a it's a different experience that way. But uh definitely still going strong. So I uh, appreciate that.
0: Yeah, um so if you would go ahead tag and introduce what we're going to be talking about tonight and who we're talking to and we allow them to give, you know, their own introductions once we bring them on. But first let me let me make a comment about what we just heard. Now that's a video that was produced. If you could tell us
4: who the producer was oh absolutely so the the filmmaker for that is one of our guests today uh close comrade committed uh, and strong organizer uh Kevin, who ideally is on the line with us and um and so that that was that was his uh film work right there that we just heard
0: yeah yes, yeah, we do have him, and we'll bring them both in both our guests tonight in in just a second, but real quick about the comp, the uh, video is, you know, I just now got into making videos. Um, I just produced, um, I guess you would call it a film or even though, you know, it's all digital and what have you, but I just made one about the myth of the Willie Lynch letter. And it also featured the commentary from the person who created it. Uh, Willie Lynch and for so long you know so many of us was stating that as fact but there are lessons to be learned and so I'm just inspired now I got a lot more respect for filmmakers because I made a 20 it was only 20 minutes and it took me what eight hours and it took me eight hours to pull everything together so I got a real 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 newfound respect for those that's working in the area A film. Uh, Also, the comments from Joe Biden, who is the current POTUS of USA Inc. I'm talking about United States of America Incorporated. A lot of people don't know that it is a corporation, has a corporate charter and all of that. So that's why I call it USA Inc. But Joe Biden making those comments, man, takes me back. I was just in my twenties at the time, man. I was in my twenties at the time when when that whole uh, war on drugs thing well it kicked off under Reagan, but you know, uh, Biden has been there in government for uh, what three, four decades, and he's kind of sounding kind of similar. You know, he's supposed to be the older, gentler, kinder Biden, but. Um, I, I don't see it. I don't see him reversing any other policies that put so many brothers and sisters in the prison slavery. So so tag, uh I'm going to turn it over to you. Let me know when you want me to bring everybody in.
4: No doubt. Well, exactly. Yeah, when we're talking about uh, JR JR Biter or uh, the the current um office holder in in the corporation as you said, uh we're talking about one of the the proud architects of the uh, massive increase of, of prison slavery in the US which of course uh, we know gets exported globally so that's that's who's in the uh, the White House at the moment and you know regardless of how he tries to dress it up you can't you can't uh, dress up uh, hyper-incarceration on, on, on a mass scale and you know he, he said exactly what he was saying criminalizing language, you know, just in the same vein as, as uh, Clinton and the super predators and all of that. So he, he's very much on that same page, and it's important to, to highlight those facts. So certainly appreciating that. And, uh, yeah, just, just to continue as far as uh, introductions, so we have, uh, again, the, the comrade uh, Kevin who uh, put that film together who will be uh, getting up with us today to discuss – the in the spirit of Mandela campaign, as well as another close and strong comrade, Amuk, who is also putting together film work, has has been doing strong uh, film and other cultural uh, material together uh, as part of this campaign and as far as part of other uh, organization work um, that that they've been doing, and so um, just yeah again, just pleased and and um, really just looking looking out and anticipating a, a very strong discussion with these uh, two close and and um, very much committed and uh, multi-talented comrades. So uh, if you want to bring them in uh, that that sounds great to me.
0: Yeah, everybody's unmuted. Sorry, I have myself muted there. Um but everybody's unmuted and tag if you'll just call on on the first person and let them give a brief, you know, introduction of themselves and an opening statement if you will.
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh Mook, if you wouldn't mind starting us off and I know that you you've been uh holding it down uh dealing dealing with some some issues with, with your voice and the like, so just greatly appreciate that, that you even got up with us today in spite of that, and uh, if you could just give give a, a brief intro of who you are, uh, how, how you came to this campaign work, and uh, some of the work that you do, that would be greatly appreciated.
3: Yeah, of course. Peace, y'all, and thanks for the opportunity to be here and speak today, my name is Emok. I'm out here on the West Coast on Nissan on land known as Sacramento. I joined in the Spirit of Mandela and was invited by Jalim Muntakim. And I do some organizing outside outside of the Spirit of Mandela within Masakata Collective, which is on my homeland of Guam, and then also out here with Neighbor Program and looking to join a couple of other programs as well soon. And then I'll pass it to Kevin. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Um. Peace, everyone. So, obviously, right. My name was said a bunch of times. My name is Kevin. I'm in um New York. I'm with Root and Branch, formerly known as IWOC, the Cultural Workers Organizing Committee. I organized as well with and Mandela. I was really brought into this because of the film work I've done in the past with the, prisons, the um national prison Strike in 2018, and then my per, um my personal life, my um passion this film because I believe the media has a narrative that that needs to be changed and that has to be speaking to us. So I'm going to be the one to do it. And I do, um, yeah, I do, I do a lot of um, activism work and organizing in our community. We do a basketball tournament. We're doing a basketball tournament Monday through Friday for the youth to keep them out of trouble because real, real um, hands-on active work is what really going to change the movement and change the people.
0: Kevin, this uh yes, this is I I'm sorry where you wanted to continue and add something. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Yeah, well again, um I complimented I compliment you on that film. Like I said, my recent foray into that form of media. Uh Man, it's a lot of work that goes into that that I didn't realize. Yeah, that I'm yeah. sure a lot of other people don't realize. So much respect to you and your work in, in the media. Um, and uh, also, you know, always the founding, um, statement of Black Talk Media Project actually comes from Malcolm X and he says media is the most powerful entity on the face of the planet. He controls the minds of the masses. He can make the innocent look guilty and the guilty look innocent and that's power. And so for the past 13 years, I've been trying to harness that uh, power along with our media partners and, you know, people like TAG and so that kind of work, hey, it's much needed, man. Um... One of the things I wanted to uh, mention real quick, though, about the media right now, the United States is pulling out of Afghanistan and, you know, I saw my mother, I saw my mother and she was like, did you see, see what was going on in Afghanistan? People trying to escape, hanging on to the plane while the plane trying to take off and stuff like that. And, you know, that's the common sentiment that I'm seeing on social media is how they feel so sorry for the women and the girls. And I feel sorry for the women and the girls, too. You know, uh, I have a lot of great empathy for them. But, you know, in pointing out the atrocities and abuses that go on here in the United States, I also am very concerned about the women and girls here who are kidnapped. Um, whether it's by slave catchers or by sex traffickers, uh, all the rapes, all the murders, the domestic violence. So you know, I, I just, I just kind of think about that whenever I hear some corporate news talking here, talking about how bad somebody else got it, but they never really talk about how deep the problems run here in the United States. It, Emuk, it, uh, what do you feel about that?
3: I a of percent hear you and hear where you're going. Um, I live in Sacramento and I believe we have the highest human trafficking rate out here. Um, and people are getting snatched left and right. I have a friend whose I think cousin got snatched broad daylight in the gym. Um, and yeah, like friends, little sisters, friends of friends, going missing every single day, um, and nothing's nothing's happening to stop that. Right? We have so much money going to the, to the slave patrol out here, and all we see them doing is displacing unhoused people. And it's just like, why is your focus on on criminalizing the poor when we have so much? trauma and crimes happening to the woman out here. So I, I totally hear you and totally agree with what you're saying. It's it's really bad and
0: it's getting worse. So, Tech, if you want to lead us into this discussion about this campaign and webinar coming up, and for those that may be listening on other platforms other than Black Talk Radio um if you come um, to the page for this post, you will see a link to it it also links to the organizational page and some other information for you to check out on social media but but Tag I know you've been talking to me what about two weeks ago you were saying how you know this was coming up and, and you know how much interest you have in it and getting the word out so I'm going to turn it over to you bro and let you lead you know the conversation on this, on this campaign because we are talking in the spirit of Mandela
4: no doubt well absolutely appreciate that and so just just to continue off of the discussion as we're having we're talking about the us so called leaving from afghanistan uh after being in afghanistan since 2001 for reasons that are still not made clear to the to the broader public and we're talking about you know the the fact that now in this so called leaving it creates all kinds of vacuums and further confusion and destruction, et cetera. And so that, of course, relates, as, as Emok did uh, precisely, to the the same kind of terroristic activity that goes on here in the U.S. And so when, when we're talking about the human trafficking that goes on, you know, informally, the formal in, uh, human trafficking that goes on inside of these prison plantations, all of it, is, of course, connected to the, the fact that slavery and genocide is the foundation of these corporate states uh, called the U.S. And so, uh, you know, we know that, for example, heads that are indigenous to this land, uh, particularly uh, women and girls um, who are indigenous to this land, are, 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 are being, um, you know, uh, snatched up, and disappeared, and um, all, all kinds of violence being done to them uh, to this day, and and that's been going on again for centuries. So uh, this this speaks to precisely the the focus of in the spirit of Mandela, uh, this campaign which was initiated by uh, Brother Jalil Muntakim, long-standing freedom fighter, who uh, was uh, incarcerated at the time, was inside of one of these prison plantations, being. Uh, punished for doing precisely what he's been doing for decades, which is uh, providing political education, providing community uh, organizing opportunities on the inside to um, particularly lead to, to younger individuals who, who, who were being uh, enslaved at, at, at the facility where he was at that time and was, was uh, subjected to further uh, carcerality um, and 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 shipped to a different facility uh thrown in the shoe for for uh providing information because because of course when you have a corporation like this being run by slavers and and, and genocidal maniacs uh providing information is 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 uh is seen by them as a criminal act so so th- this is this is uh what the what in the spirit of Mandela um, has been focusing on is these human rights violations on the part of the U.S. Focusing on uh, six basic charges, which um, we ideally can go into uh, in some more depth over the course of the discussion. But um, but so these are these are extremely important um, concerns, of course. And just to give a bit more of the historical context, we're now uh, it's it's been now uh 70 years um 70 years since we charged genocide the petition was was sent uh to the UN um you know f- focus uh, that that particular petition was was uh was um uh edited uh by William Patterson and of course you know um notably um had heads like Paul Robeson, we're very um, much uh, a part of that organizing effort. So so this is a long-standing um, set of efforts. And as the the um, elders and the heads that have that have really um, started this this campaign, such as Brother Jalil, have been saying, uh, you know, uh, we we stand uh, on the shoulders of giants. And so um and so that brings us to the webinar, which which this is the fourth webinar uh, coming up on Wednesday and the focus is on the youth. And so um, each webinar has been thematic. Um, there's, there's been a webinar of, on um, spiritual communities. Um, you know, a number of different themes have been, have been addressed thus far. And so with this fourth one, the focus is on the youth, and uh, Emuk and Kevin have been um, vital to organizing uh, this particular webinar and will be participants in it. Um, with with Kevin being uh one of the panelists there's a strong panel lined up as well as uh music and and um other artistic offerings and Emok will will be uh co-facilitating as well <clears throat> so um with with that just with just some of that uh, that background um Kevin I'm wondering if you could start us off uh into a more in-depth discussion about the webinar itself And um, why it is that you feel um, compelled to be one of the panelists, specifically on this question of the youth. You know, the title is Fulfilling Our Mission, Youth Against Genocide. So I'm wondering, uh, could you share with us, you you already alluded to it, some of the organizing work that you do. And I know you do a lot of work with the youth and um, teaching and uh, community uh, work you know it, that that's very youth oriented so uh, could you could you maybe elaborate on that and and just situate yourself uh, within that panel and and um, why you feel so compelled to to do youth uh, focused or organizing of this type?
2: Yeah, um yeah, definitely so so it's the youth is the future, right and we don't heard this throughout music. we don't heard this from our elders or the Malcolm. Brother Jalel, We've heard this thousands of times, and, we, and through history it always shows this, right? The Panthers with Huey and Bobby Sheldon, those was college students. Snick was a bunch of college students. Every, most of the civil rights leaders was college students. Martin Luther King, he was a little older. I mean, he was young as well. He was in his 20s as well. And The, uh, the youth has the spirit, the fighting spirit that's going to get the job done. This is how we looked at the situation, and now that I've been, I've been like, surrounded myself with a bunch of elders that taught me different ways to go about situations, no longer use my anger and things to that nature to get, um, get betterment for people, oppressed people throughout the nation and throughout like the um, world. I was incarcerated from 2010 to 2018. I was sentenced at 17 years old to 10 years for a fight. That was my first time ever being uh, um being arrested and sent to prison, and the judge and this is why it's important for the youth to like have knowledge and the youth to lead because the youth is the ones that had that fighting spirit. the judge told my family that I thought I was slick and thought I could live in both worlds because I played basketball and because I caught the case, so the judge had like a vendetta against me for some reason, and this judge also was the same judge that was um in police Browder's case The brother that committed suicide A few years back I found a box as well So she So this system is like really Attacking the youth In a way where It's going unnoticed And going unseen And I feel it's, it's our job The youth The ones that have a little bit of knowledge Or that have some type of guidance It's our job to Help and steer them in the right way, and give them give them gain, basically, right? I, I speak for the youth, right, and I speak to the youth, so I don't I don't really try to change my vernacular or anything. So I want them to hear me. I want them to understand that that there's a bigger mission and there's a there's a, a bigger um, opponent out there. And in my opinion, right, and which is through history shows is capitalism, right? Capitalism is I might be going I might be going a little round, but I'm gonna get to the to the, um, panel in a little bit, but capitalism is what is what's driving this country and what's driving this country insane as well, right? It was, it's the reason and, and the um, slave controllers are just a tool for capitalism, basically. And they're not knowing what they're doing, so they continue to perpetuate this capitalist system, and which keeps us in this mindset of that we want more because we're poor and we have to somehow figure out how to raise, right? And then the um power of the right? The um the ones that's leading at the capitalist system. They set this system up where they're forcing like redlining, and, and all these other um institutions that they implemented, right? Where they set us up where our school system is, is is messed up, our neighborhoods is messed up. The elevators is broke. It's pissing the hallways. The grass ain't cut you get low paying um low paying jobs which leads to all this, right? in it's continuing cycle because you no longer you can you can't it's a certain amount of money you can you can make coming from like in the inner city and knowing that it leads you as a youth, right? You see your parents struggle, you see your mother working two jobs, your father's incarcerated due to Clinton and Biden in laws and a and um the war on drugs, right? So your father's no longer in the picture, so your mother's working all these jobs and the system forces you to try to find ways to help, right? It, it, finds you, it, it forces you to try to find other ways to provide for your family, and then we get caught up in street things and other things that leads us to rebellion. But that rebellion spirit is what, is what helps us in this fight. So it just takes the youth. Because I feel like The youth is going to listen to the youth. And those uh, uh, that came before us that was leading the movement as well, so on Wednesday I'm gonna to speak to the youth and try to give as much knowledge and game in ways that in a strategic way and a little strategy and the ways that we could come about and come together to, to make a change to really get up, up under this oppression that we've been under for over for years. No doubt. I don't know if that answered your question or not.
4: No, you 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 put a lot on the table there and and I'm wondering, uh, and look as Perhaps, uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, the, the the most uh, youthful one of us uh, on this broadcast uh, presently. Uh, I'm wondering if if you could elaborate on on what Kevin just outlined as far as how how you situate yourself as regards the youth um, in within this trajectory of of uh, combating genocide and and perhaps if you can share some of, um, as as Kevin did, some of the uh, approaches and or tactics that you find most effective as far as communicating and building with youth.
3: Yeah, for sure. When I, like, throughout this so far, just hearing y'all continue to say youth and youth fighting genocide, of course, you know, I think of the Black Panther Party and think about how young the revolutionaries were right? As young as 14 years old to 19. Um, And then your question of like, connecting with the youth and, you know, getting them to join the fight and becoming freedom fighters. I just think of political education. And this whole time I'm thinking about this class that I'm taking with Brother Shep who always says in every class, you know, I was 19 years old when I joined the Black Panther Party, and I was the oldest one there that was old to join, right? And I'm like, dang, I'm 27. How old am I then compared to that in this fight? (laughs) And then it's just like that political education piece. I've done my own political education series myself, you know, within my own neighborhood, within the youth from like 8 to 14 years old, in a class that had folks, you know, fresh in college. And that really tapped them in to organizing and really tapped them in to wanting to like build programs for decolonization is what we do. So we did this political education series with them and once that, you know, educating them on the genocide, educating them the history of the genocide, the history of their own ancestral resistance, right? And why it's important to stand on the shoulders of our ancestors and continue that fight. And after that class, everybody tapped in. They all knew the 10 points of the platform and program of the Black Panther Party, and they're all in cadres within these programs for decolonization Um, and continuing that work. So political education for sure is my answer. And right now that's how I connect with the youth, Um, just teaching them, you know,
0: their history, their true history, and exposing the true nature of America. I have a quick question, if
4: I may tag. Oh, of course.
0: Yeah, uh, based off of some of the things, you know, and, and keeping the focus on the youth. And unfortunately, I did not begin my activist life and organizing until I was in my 40s, okay? Um, I very much was indoctrinated by by the system, but it was because of the internet And then coming across some of these people that have been spoken of on, um, you know, uh, like the black members of the Black Panther Party, our political prisoners and getting exposed to that, um, you know, just really help reinforce that I was doing something wrong when I was in the military. I read Malcolm X's biography. I was still young at the time. And I was like, I got to get out. I got to get out. I can't I can't help these people kill these people for some oil and nothing is going to benefit any of us. So, you know, that was my awakening back then, but I really didn't get active until 2013 when I read the 13th Amendment. Now, for my daughter, she just became active and she's still learning, she's still growing. Um, She's not as deep as you all are into it. She's more focused on local issues uh, here in our county. But what the thing that happened that transformed her was seeing the video of George Floyd with a knee on his neck for nine minutes and then uh, dying as a result of, you know, that blatant murder. And she called me crying, crying and saying, and saying, man, I just showed this to my son, which is my grandson, uh, who would have been 10 at the time. And. It just it just really hit her emotionally, and then she was like, "We need to do something. I need to do something." And I was like, "Well, what you want to do?" And so I just pitched her some ideas, and we went on to um, organize the first human rights marches. And some people might call it civil rights, but you know Malcolm had it right, and the other elders had it right. We're what we're really fighting for or the battle is for human rights. And so we organized the first marches yep. that happened in this, in, in two of these little Southern towns in our County. And so that was a seminal moment that changed her. Uh, I'm going to go to you first Emuk. What is there any one incident in your life? S- some event that really made you say that same question or asked, or say to yourself I have to do something.
3: For me it was church and like understanding the the role of Catholicism um, and the genocide of my people back on, on Home of Guam and I was just like why do we go to church religiously like knowing that the Spaniards and the religion they brought to us is what indoctrinated us and colonized us for so many years and why do we continue to do this even though this wasn't our own indigenous religion right um and seeing just like how committed and and die hard and how my parents live and breathe it you know for 18 years I didn't miss a Sunday church went to Sunday school went to Saturday school was it was real it was real strict and I never understood it um and just knowing the history of like the murder that the Spaniards did if we didn't baptize our children if we didn't go to church, you know it was off with our heads right um
2: <laughs>
3: so that that's what that's what tapped me in at a very very young age i just i I just knew you know nobody taught me it like i I inherently knew like my ancestors were speaking to me and telling my me and my intuition this isn't right, and you shouldn't be here, yeah that makes sense
0: yes, it does, Kevin, same question yeah, um, to you what happened? what event is yeah. there any single thing that you can think back and point to that really made you do something
2: yeah um i have i I can't really pinpoint. The moment where it was like the, like the eureka moment, like all right, enough is enough. Because um, I w- it, it would probably have to be like my my time when I was enslaved, my incarceration time. But before that, I, so I came my background. I come from gang banging, so I had like a little rebelliousness in me against police and the slave patrollers and just the system as a whole. But it was with no, it was. It was with lack of education, I just know it was just an anger towards them. It wasn't really until I was in prison when I was around a lot of the, the five percenters, the nation of God and earth, and the nation of Islam, is which when um, a lot of the brothers was telling, like, showing me different things and telling me, like, the way I'm moving and how I could be so much more viable to the community. And that's probably. The moment where I'm like, okay, let me listen because they they talk a good game. I always loved the way the Nation of Gods and Earth talk, like Nas and Rod Kim and them guys. I love the way they speak, so it like it was attractive to me. And I saw the reading. I probably read the Malcolm X autobiography, and then i read Blood in My Eye by George Jackson and a whole bunch of other Black Panther members. Um, Fred Hampton, Stokely Carmichael, which I'm um, Kwame Torre. and that was probably the moment when I'm like, okay, there's a whole lot more going on than gangbanging for sure. But there's just way more going on than me just being poor, right? It's it's, it's way more than every one of my community is poor and we all black. That 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 never it never sat right me, but I just thought it was normal because every community I went to was poor. In a box. So, but now I know why. And I know it's capitalism due to capitalism. And thankful for the people that I've run into, like, gave me that type of information. And now I use it to better myself. Sure. I would probably say, like, my time in prison is when I realized there's something else going on that I need to be a part of.
0: Yeah, that's a trip. That's a trip. You were in prison. I was in the military in the middle of a freaking war zone and, you know, reading Malcolm X and I was like, this ain't right. So tag. Yeah, exactly.
4: Yeah. I I was looking to build off of what you just said there, Kevin, because it connects so thoroughly because we, we were speaking earlier about how brother Jaleel was, uh, had charges put up on him. On the inside, uh, before he uh, initiated, in the spirit of Mandela, for doing political education on the inside, and 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 part of why uh, they these slavers um, took those punitive measures is because he was specifically pointing toward parallels and and pointing toward the ways in which or or the ways that uh, that heads were organizing when he was. You know, in the Panthers and how how the Panthers were organizing and comparing and contrasting uh, to how orga- how organizations and and street families uh, organize and and how they carry out their activities and efforts. And so, uh, as we know, street families are are certainly uh, targeted specifically, uh, you know, for for enslavement, et cetera. But we also know that the slave patrollers and these overseers, they all not only just operate in gang-like structures, but, but have explicit uh, gangs themselves with names and, and you know jackets and, and all of yep. this. You know, so, so I was just wondering if you would be down to, to build a bit more on this question of, of the, the utter contradictions between um, how, uh, how street families... Um, are approached by these slave patrollers, approached by, you know, the, the the U.S. in in general, the the media depictions of them, and at the same time, how the the their demonization is relied upon to to help to 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 furnish this this the fear mongering that's so needed to keep this hyper incarceration going on. So I'm I'm wondering if you could share a bit more about those kinds of contradictions and and the the revolutionary potential that uh, it always resides within these street families, which is precisely why they're targeted so aggressively.
2: Yeah, definitely, right? So in 1968, 1969 in Chicago with um, Chairman Fry, he understood that power as well and the pig out there, right? They they understood as well. When he was trying, when he started the Rainbow Coalition with the Young Lords and the uh, Young Patriots and the uh, Black Panther Party, the Young Lords was a street organization before they was politicized. And but these brothers, these brothers and sisters that's on the corner or, that, or wherever they at throughout the nation, they're not they're not out there willingly to cause to cause destruction. They're out there to fend for themselves and and to to make a living and these are the, the means that was provided for them by the government right because we don't have we didn't we didn't from like historical point and and just facts right we didn't come off the slave boat we didn't we didn't come into this country with passports or airports or anything of that nature where we can be able to bring in drugs and bring in guns right this is obviously through to um government and they're, they're drop into our neighborhood so we can cause destruction which we don't know we don't we don't have the knowledge of that at the time but we know the um the money is what's gonna get us by any means. But the same thing is what's going on inside these street organizations, is the same thing that's going on with the NYPD, with the LAPD, and with all the um rest of the, the slave patrols throughout the nation, they have this they have this set of code and conduct that they abide by. They have this no snitching rule. The same way these brothers and sisters look out for each other as well. It's just that it's just that they're poor. And black and brown, most likely nine times out of ten, and that bothers, the com- and that bothers the slave patrollers, that these black and brown brothers and sisters out here taking care of each, they're taking care of each other, and not only taking care of each other, and they take care of the community as well. Throughout all street organizations, there was always a group that took care of the community, just, and that that's like been proven, proven throughout time, giving back, and not through charity, right? It- not really through charity, like a PAL. Not that it, this is this is money that's coming out of the brother and sister's pocket, this is time coming out of our pockets. And it's just a contradiction that we just they, they um the street organizations sell drugs and just cause havoc. And that's not true. So yeah, I'm definitely it's definitely so many um contradictions amongst both of those. I'm looking for I'm reading this book right now, I'm looking for this these facts. It's called the end of policing. Well, I can't really find the page right
4: now. Oh, the the, the Alex Vitali. Well, I, I I greatly appreciate that response, and um, and if you if you find the the passage that you're looking for, uh, please share it with us, and um, and look, uh, building further and and continuing the discussion around in the spirit of Mandela and and why it is that this webinar is going on. I was wondering if you would be down to to speak to the the broader and, and longer-term aims of this campaign, uh, because, of course, this is the fourth webinar. There are slated to be uh, additional webinars moving forward, going into uh, October 22nd, uh, which will begin the tribunal, the, the Human Rights Tribunal, right? But we also know that that is that is uh, an initial uh that's an initial element of this particular campaign and and it's really only the beginning in many ways so i'm wondering if you would be down to speak to the 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 longer trajectory and and from your view uh what in the spirit of mandela uh could mean for organizing uh here in the us but also intercommunally Across the globe, you you spoke to your 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 background and family in Guam, uh, so I, I'm wondering if you could uh, lay some of that out for us as far as as far as the the longer term uh, aims and objectives of this campaign and what it could mean for for that kind of organizing work.
3: Yeah, most definitely. So. Just starting from the jump, you know, we have our fourth webinar this Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 6, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, about youth, right? Um, youth against genocide, and then we'll have two more webinars that will talk about the six charges, talk about building a people's senate, which is one of the overall outcomes we're hoping we're hoping to have after this tribunal. Um, Before going into the outcomes, definitely want to touch on the six charges that we're bringing to light, right, this October. So this October, the tribunal will be charging the United States government, its states, and other specific agencies with human rights and civil rights violations against black and brown indigenous people, specifically spotlighting political prisoners and prisoners of war. The six charges include, one, the racist police killings of black and brown indigenous people, two, hyper incarceration of black and brown indigenous people, three, the political incarceration of civil rights and national liberation era revolutionary and activists, as well as present day activists, four, environmental racism and its impact on black and brown indigenous people, six, public health racism and disparities and its impact on black and brown indigenous people. Wait, did I skip number? That was five and six the genocide of black and brown indigenous people as a result of all the historic and systemic charges of all of the above, right? And then we also have a list of outcomes we hope to accomplish, accomplish, which is one to codify and publish the content and results of the tribunal to be offered in high school and university curriculums, right? Including this to be in that education and, and really educating the youth on um, what we're talking about and about the genocide going around across this corporation called the United States, right? The second one was to provide organized, accurate info for reparation initiatives and community and human rights work against political education. The third one is to demand, strengthen the demand to free political prisoners and establish a truth and reconciliation commission mechanism to lead to their freedom. Four is to provide the foundation for to provide did I lose y'all I just got a phone call no
0: no we still the have right you.
3: Foundation for civil action awesome in federal and states courts across the United States five percent of stronger case building upon previous and respected human rights initiatives on the international stage and the last one establish a healthy and viable massive national network of community organization activists clergy academics and lawyers with challenging human rights abuses on all levels and human rights abuses and enhancing the quality of life for all the people. And I think your last question, Tag, was like the overall outcome and then, you know, talking about my land back on Guam and why this is an international fight, right? I thought immediately of Mutakim and in, in his class and in his webinars and lectures, he always says, you know, the organizers here on Turtle Island are the vanguard party, Right? We're on the vanguard party because we're in the Valley of the Beast. We we are in the center of it all. The government responsible for imperialism. The government responsible. It, you know, I think of this quote from Huey. I wish I knew it on the top of my head. I was going to look it up. But it was just like, once the United States is over, any other country, you know, that lives and thrives off of the exploitation of its people um, through capitalism and through imperialism can't exist without the support of the United States. And that really hit me because, you know, back home on Guam, the U.S. is damaging us so much with its military expansion. They're expanding it. They already have one third of our island. They're expanding its military base to have some more. And with the, that expansion, they'll be polluting drinking water, which is eighty percent of the island's water, right? How are we gonna live if we don't have water? That that's just genocide right there, right? And folks on the island are really organizing for nationhood, organizing to emancipate ourselves from the United States, but I always like to bring to the collective like we can't just remove ourselves. We gotta help support the fight, this international fight to smash this enemy. Because not only should we not have to deal with this, no one across the globe should have to deal with this genocide. Right? So just like Jill says, we are the belly of the beast, and it's up to us, right, to to abolish this, to stop this. Um yeah. so the answers.
0: Oh, Tag, before we close out, let me for those people who may not be on the platform. Give out that registration link because it's pretty easy. And that is if you want to sign up for register for this webinar, you can go to tiny t i n y u r l dot com. That's tiny u r l dot com slash, and that's for forward slash i s m webinar and the number four. So that's i s m webinar and the number four. So real quick, tinyurl.com forward slash ISM webinar four. Tag, we're coming uh, close to the conclusion. If you want to lead us into wrapping it up, get any final comments from our our wonderful participants on this call.
4: Without a doubt. So just greatly appreciate, again, that y'all were able to get up with us here on New Abolitionist Radio. I uh, definitely want to remind heads to do everything that they can to contribute to the Black Talk Radio Network and to the Black Talk Media Project, uh, which hosts uh, this broadcast and, and many others, as uh, as as many of y'all are, are prob- probably already aware. Um, so, of course, it is Black August, and uh, Emma, uh what you were speaking to reminded me of this uh, George Jackson quote, that I would like to share uh, very quickly, and, um, and then I, I would love to hear uh, any um, final thoughts that, that y'all have. But um, along the lines of what you were speaking to, uh, George Jackson writes in, in Blood in My Eye, the U.S. has established itself as the mortal enemy of all people's government, all scientific socialist mobilization of consciousness everywhere on the globe, all anti-imperialist activity on earth. And it goes on, um, it's a full paragraph, but uh, so uh, p- precisely as, as you were saying and as, as uh, you were pointing toward U.P. Uh, Newton as saying, you know, being in the, in the belly of the beast here, the, the, the critical importance of that and, and recognizing the stakes of that. Um, also just want to, again, um, continue to shout out uh, Russell Maroon Schultz, who is facing um, further severe repression. Uh, right now, um, there's a rally for him in, in Philly. Uh, right now, as well as um, to to shout out on Friday, um, if you're in the New York area, there will be a press conference um, a, against the the youth um, detention that they're doing um, out there. Uh, a group called um, Eyes on Eyes on You uh, is putting that together, and uh, that's 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 it for now from me. Uh, would be great to hear. Uh, y'all, y'all, uh, y'all's final thoughts on um, any of any of this, or what we can look forward to uh, as regards to the webinar that's coming up on Wednesday, eight p.m. Eastern. Perhaps, um, yeah, um, no doubt.
2: I'll start. Yeah, because um, um, you mentioned eyes on you, so I was just I'm looking at that as well. So eyes on you is like a affiliation or a, a different name for Take Back the Bronx. And they're having an event on Friday that's organizing organizing around the boat, as well as Rikers Island and all other um, local jails that's inside New York City. Which needs to um, it, it's not like a, it's not a, a an event where we're telling them to fix the jobs or trying to get them to help. It's 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 about abolishment. And that's what this whole thing is about. It's really about abolishment and that is the only thing. Mumia Abu once said that the only the only way to um help is freedom. Freedom is the only way to survive this thing. I'm paraphrasing but that's it. And I um I really just want to speak on the boat and Rikers Island real fast. And Eric Garner because you spoke on Eric Garner a little bit and I wanna speak on that case and the um ideology of the system and how it works, but Rikers Island, right now as we speak, they claim they're understaffed. They done fired all the mess hall workers, so now brothers and sisters, they're missing meals because the COs don't bring the meals and they no longer have brothers and sisters working inside the pantry, inside the mess hall to bring the food. So they'll go days without food. They've been months without Cleaning supplies. Some of the brothers that's trying to get their GEDs and their high school diplomas. That's they they haven't been to school within six months, seven months. I've been told. And all, the building, the um five building on Rikers Island, that's really supposed to be like a drug intake and mental health intake. And they're sending everyone there is over it's overpopulated, as well as with the boat, and they're not separating. Those with the COVID um, infection and those that's not with it. They're putting everyone all in one womb. There's not masks being worn. This is genocide that's happening right here, not in Afghanistan or not in, not in another country. This is happening right here in New York City where genocide is happening. This is happening to the youth as well as the elders, and that's um, something that that needs to be changed and something that has to be more highlighted that the boat on the bombs is as well as right Island, is a' is a it's a county jail as well as Ra Island that's being the people are being tortured human beings are being tortured on there but um I did want to speak on the Aragon and the ideas of because I found the little passage inside the um, the ending of policing and basically i'll I'll sum it up real fast. Basically, it's saying that Eric Garner was arrested multiple times on this um, selling loose cigarettes, basically, right? He's been arrested multiple times on these different type of incidents. He's been to jail for these different type of incidents, been released, came, went back and forth, and he's constantly been going through this. And they sent, in the day of his um, murder, they sent in two plane officers, a sergeant, back up, and a whole nah, for somebody that's selling cigarettes. There was black officers, white, his it, it the the precinct is um is on, but unmixed. On it's not the mindset that Eric Gardner is committing a crime. Because even that, right, um why is that a crime, right? The crime is the crime is poverty. The crime is the crime is oppression. The crime is, isn't him selling those cigarettes because why is it that he He's went to jail for this multiple times, and he still has to come home and continue to do this. That's the problem. And for some reason, this nation continues to look past that, past that problem, and we go straight to the agitated right and Joe Biden inside the Warner Shots video that we put together. The reason why that part is in there, and I probably use that part for a lot of the videos I use, I use because I want to continue to remind the people that this man is a snake, and he he, he didn't change. And I don't, I don't think there's room for him to change. So and I want to constantly remind people that the things that he said, that he didn't care if they did it or not. Right. So that's the mindset that this nation has. It's not about what is crime or what is not. It's, it's just about the oppression and the genocide of a, a specific race. And that shit, um, part of me. But and but that that is really what's the problem. Is what we consider crime and why, and why are we targeted in certain specific neighborhoods. And that's really about it. I appreciate um, y'all for letting me get on this platform uh, and share my piece.
4: I absolutely. Appreciate you. Uh, e- excellent context to, to add to all of that. And I'll just uh, give out the email address for those that want to get involved as far as this effort uh, that's going on on Friday. The press conference that uh, was just spoken to. They can be reached at free the prisoners, 2021, at gmail.com. Free the prisoners 2021, at gmail.com. And so uh, much, much appreciated. Uh, huge shouts to you, Emuk, for for uh, fighting through uh, despite the the you know being under the weather on. Um, and, and the issues uh, that you were having with your voice. Uh, any uh, closing out thoughts that you would like to share with us and the listeners of New Abolitionist Radio?
3: Yeah, just come to the webinar this Wednesday. It's 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We have a solid panel. Kevin's on there. We have folks from People's Program, Hood Communists, Agape Movement, Freedom All New Jersey. And if you're interested in learning more about In the Spirit of Mandela, you could go to our website, which is spiritofmandela.org. Follow us on Instagram at spiritofmandela. Our Facebook's In the Spirit of Mandela, and our Twitter is at In the Spirit, with two Ts at the end. And yeah, I appreciate y'all you for your time. I really enjoyed this, so thank you.
4: Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, Brother Scotty, Did did you want to
0: Close this out with any final thoughts? Um, No, except to thank our two guests um, for tonight on New Abolitionist Radio, very inspired by the next generation that's coming up uh, behind mine. I kind of feel like my generation as a whole dropped the ball, um, but we were being indoctrinated (laughs) with a whole lot of type of media, a whole lot of type of distractions. You know, we were speaking on uh, street families earlier, and you know how they use the crime statistics to justify their slave patrolling and their brutal practices and you know and talking about I think tag is the one that talked about the contradiction, so I just want people to think about this you know clear the airways project is an organization in in uh Gary in the in Indiana but does a lot of work in Chicago cuz it's right by Chicago and brother Kwabena Rasuli who's been a frequent guest on the Black Talk Radio network and on my my uh specific podcast Black Talk Radio News so they had been pushing to get these urban radio stations which target black people but aren't not owned by black people and even if they were, because they probably got some black shareholders in iHeart in Corporation or Crawford broadcasting and how they target the youth with these violent, you know, conflict resolution messages. They promote the violence. They promote the very Activities that they have criminalized and out here, you know, uh, doing what they do, meaning the slaves, the slave catchers. And so quabbling. Uh, it wasn't that that organization or I am trying to censor anyone. Um, no, just follow the FCC rules of. Certain content is made for adults. Mature content is made for adults. It's only supposed to come on the radio, the terrestrial radio station at 10 p.m. at night and be off at 7 a.m. Because why? That's when all the children are in the bed. And, you know, a lot of young people that... I was a street kid, man. I was in the Young Boys Incorporated in Detroit, you know, back in the 80s. And... And so, you know, I think about then the reason I was involved in that life was because of economics and and lack of economic opportunity as a teenager. But we wasn't even getting hit. This was when hip hop first came out, you know. And it was talking about the struggle, but it went from talking about the struggle and, and fighting against the powers that be to fighting each other. And so, please, you know, people shouldn't sleep on that. Yes. The contradiction is when they filed that complaint and the stations were forced to reply to the complaint. They the FCC lawyer said, well. We're gonna trust iHeart Radio and Crawford Broadcasting to do what's best for the community. Okay? So on one hand they criminalizing us, but on the other hand, they promoting the very behaviors that, that you know that they get these huge budgets to address. So please don't sleep on, like Malcolm said, the power of that said, you know, I'm just very inspired that, that there is a whole generation of freedom fighters. I came to the game late. And um so I'm just inspired that people in my daughter's age and even my grandson's age are being trained up, you know, to continue to fight until we get what's right and that's human rights for all. And that's all I have to say. Uh tag you got a closing thought? I do wanna say one more thing though. Sure. Oh. That's cool. all right. Yeah, because you just sparked something
2: in my mind speaking on that. And the reason why I feel what was going on with the street gangs and why the mindset that is that it's a mental health thing, right? And America doesn't look at it that way. They look at it as criminality, and it's not. Mental health is so important. I feel I, I'm a big advocate of it, especially in the black community, because we need it. And it doesn't make sense why the biggest mental health facilities in the United States are are in prisons, Rikers Island and Cook County facilities kill county, on prison,
4: that's
2: insanity. That that's insanity that majority of the biggest mental health facilities are inside prison. So you have to get arrested to go seek help. That that's that's sickening. That that that's um really rooted deeply into this nation, and it has to be changed. And but well, we need help for real. The youth out here need real mental help. And yeah, that was just something I came not our mind
0: on point it is it, it we do nothing need to be added we do need mental health medicare for all you know that's why i was pushing for that because it was to include mental health services tag you want to close this out
4: well just likewise and in, inspired by the dialogue continue to be inspired by all of the work that heads are putting in uh fighting against these injustices and these human rights violations and, and fighting for ourselves uh, as brother Jalil Muntakim says and, and has written the book we are our own liberators and you know they they continue to try and criminalize us but what what could be a worse crime than slavery you know i mean they they're practicing slavery and genocide these are these are the u- utmost crimes so uh, it's outrageous for them to be demonizing heads who have mental health uh, issues, as was just mentioned, etc., cetera, uh, who are facing uh, severe oppression when they're out here literally profiting off of genocide and slavery. As, as is said in the initial petition, uh, genocide for profit. That's in the opening statements of the We Charge Genocide petition uh, 70 years back, and they're still at it. Um, they've only uh, they've only gotten more exploitative with it, so uh, that's 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 the utmost contradiction right there. But I, I, I greatly appreciate uh, being able to get up with y'all um, as ever. And uh, Wednesday, we'll we'll, we'll be keeping out the the webinar, and ideally as many of y'all as possible can participate.
0: Thanks for listening to New Abolitionist Radio. Make sure that. Uh, You subscribe to BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com You can subscribe to the Facebook page New Abolitionist Radio So you'll know when we have upcoming broadcasts Or have published podcasts Peace and blessings to all Stay safe out there